Like I, I feel, I feel pretty. Like I, I liked Brave though. Uh, stop making faces. This is a podcast. People can't see you. Welcome to another episode of the MacGuffin Podcast, the movie review podcast that dreams are made of. Keith Foster, you are from San Diego. Cassidy Robinson, you are recording in an undisclosed location in the Rocky Mountains. This is how I like it. Keeping just it getting simple. right to it. Yes. No cold questions. Uh, no, I, I, uh, now you can ask them. Now is an appropriate time. Well, here's a question. Um, okay. I thought we would do kind of like an informal consumo bay. I'm pretty much just going to give you the floor for a bit to talk about your X-Files watch. I was going to say rewatch, oh. but I think you've never watched a show in its entirety before. Yes, that is correct. So I, uh, we talked about this a little bit last week about you doing mm-hmm. it, but, um, you've been tweeting along as you've been watching the show. Yeah, just kind of like tweeting general thoughts. Um, I I don't necessarily tweet for every episode. I when something stands out to me, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So I always liked the X Files. Like growing up, I liked the vibe of it. I liked the the premise, the conceit. Um, but I never, I never really watched it all the way through. I only caught like random episodes, and I think I saw one of the movies. Um, which that might be a streaming homework soon. So look out. Uh, right. And yeah, so I was like, you know, I've still got some extra time on my hands. Um, uh, I, you know, want a long weird show. Uh, I, I finally watched all of Twin Peaks and felt like I had this like, uh, chasm of high strangeness TV Mm -hmm. in my life. Um, yeah, so I've been going through X Files. X Files uh, is a much longer running series than Twin Peaks. There's a decent amount of Twin Peaks, um, but yeah, uh, X Files. Like I'm almost done with the second season, yeah, and uh, I'm almost to the part where like I'm pretty much to the part where people say it starts getting really good. Like right, you know, this is like peak x files now like yeah seasons, seasons three two, through, through like whatever. five yeah i don't know like when we, who jumps off first Mulder or scully uh i think it's Mulder. then it's Duchovny. because there's there's a i know like one of the later seasons i think is scully and they eventually replaced agent doggett yeah but and i caught a few of those episodes and i remember them being real rough right, right. um so my relationship then, with the X-Files was always kind of peripheral. Yeah, um, mine too. I I I always wanted to watch it. It always seemed like something I would like in theory, but I was pretty young when it was happening. But I had like certain friends who were like X-Files families. Mm-hmm. Like they were like that was their event is to like gather around the TV and like watch this week's uh, X Files. So if I ever yeah. if I ever did watch it, it was in one of those kind of circumstances. So I think I caught like five or six episodes here. Yeah, or that there. was kind of the same for me. I know yeah. I I've seen more of the later stuff, like after it, yeah. you know, it sort of peaked. But um, and at a point in I time, mean, I had the box set. I had the big fucking 
thing I bought from Costco and like spent like fifty bucks on it or something. Well, and there's even been I like watched like the first season and a half, and then I'm terrible at TV, so I just did other things and then didn't return to it. And then and I saw the movie when it came out, the first movie. Yeah, and then there was a second movie, and yeah. then there was like a revival series for a little bit. Of course, there was. So the first season is very like was very procedural drama. It is it is Law and Order with occasional like weird like it's just weird Law and Order. It's mm-hmm. like you know it's very we're gonna go and investigate this and send this to the crime lab and. Oh, well, this is weird. That's not possible, Scully or Mulder. Uh, Well, what if it is this? And then it always is that. And so, like, the first season, I think, is kind of predictable. It definitely, you feel those 20 episodes when you're binging it. Um, There's a few standouts. There's a few really good ones. But for the most part, it's like, sure. And then the second season, uh, they up the ante real quick. It is way more cinematic. Like, they're doing a lot more with, um, like, just camera telling the story and a lot more. Like, this is when they really lean into, oh, this is a horror show. Um, and so, the, you know, there's, like, genuinely, like, really horrific stuff. And uh, they really, like, this is when they start going fucking nuts with the lore. Like, with the, the quote, mythology episodes. Um, the first season, again, there's a couple, you know, just sort of establishing the world we're in. Um, and then the second season is just like full on. Yeah. Scully gets fucking abducted. Uh, uh, there's all this conspiracy shit going on. Like they just like steer into that hard, but I like that. I mean, that's, that's when the, that's why you're watching and it's when the world feels more unique to the X-Files and less like just generic procedural. Yeah. And it, there's a bit of a like monster of the week ish type thing, right? Like, I mean, yeah, it's not every episode is um, whatever the overarching plot. There's a lot of, Oh, we're in this weird town where this weird things happening. Yeah. But there's... Kind of like, like supernatural, but more. Realistic oh, totally. I mean, supernatural definitely picked up a lot of, uh, X-Files stuff. They just made it a little more CW. young adulty, yeah. and they made it a little more um, just like action-y oriented. Right. More like towards demons and, and that versus uh, X-Files, you know, takes the skeptics approach. It's like, well, what if aliens are real? Like, what are the sort of scientific implications of that? Can the paranormal exist within scientific reason and scrutiny. So, you know, it's similar bedfellows, but uh, different approaches. Sure. All right. Um, well, that was fun. I am <laughs> going to recommend uh, one thing, the only piece of media that's mattered to me this week, and that is the chipmunk slowed down to 16 speed. Yeah, I saw that. I don't get it. So... When they record a chipmunk song, uh-huh. it's different than you might think. Some people might think a couple stoners threw on a record and it was accidentally on 45 instead of 33. And they're like, oh, this is funny. Let's build a media empire on top of this. And that's probably okay. a lot like what happened. But 
when they actually go to record these songs so that the music sounds normal, but the voices sound sped up, you have to actually record those things separately. So okay. they re- they record, I, they, I would imagine they probably do the music first. There would be a normal recording session. They're just doing straight covers of these songs, pop songs from the day. And then... Oh, and then they speed they, up the vocals. They have to, yeah. So the, the people who are singing the vocals have to sing slowly so that when uh, they speed it up 16 times, it matches the regular tempo of the song. Okay. So when you take the entire audio track and s- slow the whole thing down to 16 speed, the vocals are normal, like they're normal male yeah. vocals, but they're just singing the tempo really slow. And the instrumentation is now like, you know, however many octaves lower than they would normally be. And it turns like the guitars, like, you know, normal, like bright sounding jangly pop guitars into like sludge metal guitars. Yeah, well, I listened to it and I was like, this is weird. This doesn't sound like the chipmunks. (laughs) And distorted. And some of these songs for real jams like the 16 slowed down version of uh the chipmunks cover of my sharona i want to see in like some badass action movie where they're walking in slow motion for some scene or whatever you want that to be the new hallelujah no or just (laughs) i mean it just it's a vibe the whole thing's a vibe but and the best song on the there's several volumes of these now. People have been doing this. But the one that I was mostly looking at, there's a Chipettes original that was in the animated Alvin and the Chipmunks movie back in the 90s mm-hmm. um, called Diamond Dolls. You remember? Because that was the whole subplot as they were hiding diamonds around in like little dolls. And yeah, yeah. Find them. It's a weird movie. It is really weird. But <laughs> um, that song, Slow Down, is like this weird hazy drug-fueled experience with drony synths and stuff happening in the background and it's a uh, it's been my favorite thing pretty much uh for the past week cool that's all i have to recommend chipmunks slow down 16 speed on youtube um i recommend watch it what listen to that and watch some x-files keep you, up with us you could do that you could do all of that and this week we are going to be reviewing uh disney's raya and the last dragon um which just premiered on disney plus it is a pay only option at the moment it is going to be free i think in a month or two um mm-hmm. but right now it is a, a pay up front thing um yeah it's like the the premium access right. thing that they they came up with because their stuff couldn't go to theaters, so, you know. Right. So, if you have some people in the house or whatever to split up the cost or whatever, then it's kind of like going to a movie. But sadder. And then, uh, for the streaming homework, we're going to be talking about 1994's Shopping. Um, it was a British film starring Jude Law. And uh, before we get to that stuff, I wanted to go over the Academy Award nominations, because they just came out. We've talked about it. It was a weird year. A lot of mm-hmm. stuff we didn't see. A lot of stuff that I didn't think was going to qualify because it literally just came out did. So I don't know yeah. if they just like moved the timeline for qualification because of circumstances or if there was some sort of a theatrical release 
you know, that we didn't know about or something for months ago for some of these movies. I bet I bet they changed the the qualifications because stuff couldn't couldn't necessarily be released in the theater. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, like, there's been like, you know, there's an AMC here in town that'll show things. I don't know who's going, um, you know, so and especially for festivals like so Netflix started doing this a long time ago when they wanted their movies to be considered. They would just put their movies in like two theaters in L.A. that had like yeah. two, two run times just to meet qualification. Yeah, I I think they must have. I don't know. I don't know what they it did could have been or something didn't like do. That. I also. I mean, I think I've been on record. Like I hate the Oscars. I think it's dumb. But let's do this. <laughs> All right. Um. So the, they're not premiering until I think toward the end of April. Uh. But uh, the best picture nominations. I was I was actually surprised we've seen more of these than I realized. Okay. Um, the Father, which I have not seen. I haven't even heard of that one. Um, I feel I feel like that's I don't know kind of this list though is like you know how people normally complain like why do the Oscars only nominate movies you never heard of if you've never seen like I, right right I, I, you might be surprised so the father um, and I've heard of it but I haven't seen it it has a, Anthony Hopkins is in it um, Judas and the Black Messiah okay which cool. is probably the one I'll be cheering for uh, Mank. Man- oh yeah, I I heard Mank got like a record. Yeah, they got the most nominations. nominations. I don't know if that'll necessarily translate to to wins, wins. but we'll see. Um, Minari. I've heard some really good things. I've though. heard good things. Uh, Nomadland, which we talked about recently. Mm-hmm. Promising young woman, kind of surprising. Oh, damn. Okay. That, I I thought that was one of those ones that'd be more Golden Globe heavy than Oscar heavy, um, but it it did manage to make a dent here. Sound of Metal, which we also oh, reviewed. Wow, yeah, we've I, I've actually seen more I've, of these than I realized. And The Trial of Chicago 7, which actually takes place around the same time as Judas and the Black Messiah, and is kind of oh. like the same events from a different perspective. Um, Interesting, okay. Okay, Best Actor in a Leading Role. Uh, well, first of all, in the Best Picture category, is there anything you think is like um, definitely missing? From that category, or is there anything there that you are specifically rooting for? Uh, I, I mean, the I, ones so, I've seen, I like. Yeah, so I can't, I can't think of anything that's missing, just because last year's movies were kind of a blur for me, right? Um, uh, as far as like, I, I think what I'll be rooting for, like you said, is uh, I think Judas and the Black Messiah. Of those, I mean, we didn't do a, a favorites list this year, but that was. That was probably my favorite of these. Um, either that or Promising Young Woman, just as, like, I think kind of the underdog pick. Yeah, I think that one's way too subversive to win. But yeah, you know, and I... You know, I would have never thought that Parasite would win. Uh, yeah, that's true. But yeah, so I would say Judas and the Black Messiah is my, my big contender with Dark mm-hmm. Horse as Promising Young Woman. But, I mean, I did... I really liked... Sound of Metal. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I mean, that has got to win something for sound design <laughs> or sound mixing. Um, there's a couple um, categories in here. I'm surprised. So I'll, I'll move on, actually. Uh, best Actor, Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal. Which okay. Is, All right. Um, Chadwick Boseman for a movie I didn't see. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Uh, I haven't even heard of that. But, I mean, you know the Oscars. Like, 
right. he, he'll probably win posthumously. I mean, and I think he deserves an award. I don't know if for this necessarily, but um, yeah, yeah. There was actually some chatter back with his role in Defy uh, Bloods. Yeah, uh, well, uh, that would have been like supporting, right? And yeah, I think I guess they probably so, yeah. just wanted it, you know, wanted something a that for him he was to the lead the... in. Yeah. Um, yeah, Anthony Hopkins for the father, uh, Gary Oldman for Mank, and Stephen Yuen for Minari. Um, uh, so, all right, yeah. I mean, of of the movies I've seen, I think uh, Riz Ahmed was probably my favorite performance. Yeah, that's such a performance. I think it's not going to win because it's not showy enough. It's it's a very understated interior performance. I think that movie is still kind of under the radar, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a big snub that uh, neither of the leads from Judas and the Black Messiah got nominated. Oh, wait. Like, what oh, the fuck? wait. Um, yeah, you obviously haven't looked at these at all. Best Actress no. in a Leading Role. This is better content. Best Actress in a Leading Role. <laughs> Viola Davis from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. So okay. a couple nods there. It's not just a Chadwick nod. Andrea Day for the United States versus Billie Holiday. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I haven't heard of Um, this. Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman. I did hear about that movie. I did not see it. Uh, I think it's still streaming. We might, I don't know, we might do that at some point. Frances McDormand for Nomadland. Uh, That one seems pretty obvious. And Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. Which is the first time she's been nominated after an education, for winning for an education. So. Again, I've only seen... Of of these, I've I've seen even less. I feel because right. um, I I really only saw Frances McDormand or Carrie Mulligan. Um, right. Didn't Frances McDormand win for uh, Ebbing, Missouri? Three billboards. Uh yeah, for supporting, I think. Um, or wasn't that a lead? I don't know. Because she I, made that whole thing about the writer and all that. I forget yeah. which awards. No, I mean, that was but. I love it when I love it when Frances McDormand wins awards because. Uh, she's a, great. she's amazing. Yeah. She's an incredible actor. And B, she like has no qualms about calling out fucking bullshit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, I, I, like, honestly, she is so critical of Hollywood, and yet she still gets cast in amazing Everything. roles yeah. because she's undeniable. Like, she's so yeah. fucking good. So she can't burn a bridge. Um, yeah. So uh, that's a competitive category, I suppose. I mean, big actresses. I don't think France is going to get it again only because she just won. Well, not just, but not very long ago. I, I mean, I would, I would love to see Carrie Mulligan, Mulligan obviously. Take again, this on, I just yeah. think that movie is just a little too punk rock for the Oscars. But we'll see. I'm surprised it got nominated at all. Uh, Best actress in a supporting role, Maria Baklava. That cannot be a real name. Bo- no, um, it's Maria Bakalova. <laughs> Maria, <laughs> fucking asshole. Uh, Maria Bakalova. For- yes, for Borat. Subsequent uh-huh. movie film. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Her first big movie, really. Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy. That movie was nominated for Razzies. Not that the, right. the Razzies are actually even worse than the Oscars, but for the opposite reasons. But, no. No, I don't know. This. I've never even heard of it. It got made fun of a lot when the posters came out because it was her and her and Amy Adams on the cover, like, in Hillbilly. Like, remember when uh, fucking All That did their Hillbilly sketch? No. Like it was, it was kind of all of this that. is lost on me. Let's okay, just move whatever. on. Olivia Coleman <laughs> for the father, 
Uh, Amanda Seyfried for Mink. Um, that would be uh, my choice. Okay. Uh, she, I thought she was the best thing in that movie. And Yoon Yoon Jung for Minari. Yoon Yoon Jung. Yeah. Um, for Minari. Yeah, I yeah. I feel like I need to see Minari <clears throat> before. Yeah, the, if I need to see anything, it's uh, that. before the Oscars. Yeah. I need, yeah, I need to I've see heard Minari. The most about it. Uh, best I mean, my my pick for this would be uh, Maria Bakalova. I think. Well, comedy I think the, performances are almost always ignored, especially something exactly. like that. And and I just think her performance like kind of makes that movie mm. in a way that that uh, was surprising. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I'd be very she, happy she would with be that. my pick. Yeah, I'd be very happy with that. I personally pick Amanda Seyfried, but I would also be very happy with her um, winning that. Um, okay, here it is: Best Actor in a Supporting Role, Sasha Baron Cohen. For the trial of Chicago Seven, okay, but not, uh, but, but not, not Borat, but not Borat. All right, um, Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah. What the fuck? Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night Miami. Okay. Paul Rossi for The Sound of Metal. That's cool. Okay, all right. Um, again, very understated performance. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. Are you fucking kidding me? I kid you not. What the fuck is this? Either of them could be considered the lead of that movie. But I mean, yes. I. I <clears throat> how are they both supporting? Supporting now, here's what? the thing. The, and supporting this is, who? No, 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 no. Fucking listen to me. This is exactly what bothers me about mm-hmm. the Oscars. Is it is all it's all politicking. Mm-hmm. So movies will campaign for their actors right. based off of what they think they can win. So this is like putting like two tokens in the bowl before they draw one kind of thing. Yeah, like and it, it's like chances for a win. Exactly, but that's fucking stupid. They both should have been nominated for lead actor like Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen The Father. I'm sure Anthony Hopkins is fine. Uh but like come on. And Gary Oldman, he's fine. This fucking pisses me off. No, I know. This is this is ridiculous. This is the biggest upset I think of the whole thing. Ugh. I mean, I'm gr- I mean, very at least happy they, that weren't... they were nominated. Yeah, at least they weren't snubbed, but I think this like is... Keith Stanfield, he put something on on uh, Instagram and it was like confused, but I'll take it or something like that. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, what uh, what the fuck? Yeah, like it's it's weird. Fuck the Oscars. Ugh. Right. So stupid. Best director, and usually this is a kind of an indication of really what what's in the running for best picture. Not um, anymore. Not yeah, since that's they actually true. Ex- and there's a couple things here that are not not since they expanded the the best uh, picture. Yeah, and there's uh, Thomas Vinterberg for uh, another round, which I had not seen. I haven't, I haven't even heard of half of these movies. Why? Why don't they ever nominate movies you heard of? <laughs> They did. They do. Um, Thomas Vinterberg is a great director. It's probably a good movie. Emerald. I, it, I'm Fennel. sure it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman. Lot of okay. lot of uh, nominations. Uh, David Fincher for Mank. He might win just because it's his year kind of thing. Uh, I mean, I liked Mank, but I. It's not even. I don't close think it's David favorite. Fincher's no. best, and I don't think it was even close. I mean, yeah. I don't think it was. Close to the best movie that came out last no. year. I, close is, I don't know. It might be close, but I just, there were so many things that 
excited me more than, but I don't know. You know how Hollywood loves to jerk itself off. Exactly. And I think there's a lot of that in that movie. So it might, if they decide to make it that kind of year, um, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari and, uh, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. Okay. I mean, I, yeah, I would, I would love to see, uh, either Chloe Zhao or Emerald Fennell win. I think that'd be really cool. And those are the only categories I want to go over. Uh, just so otherwise this segment will go on too long. But if people are interested, the, you know, these are out there. You can read them. You can start your betting pools with your friends over your Zoom Oscar parties or whatever the fuck's going to go on this year. What happened there last it is. year? I don't, I don't think I, no, I did watch them <laughs> because I was at work watching them, watching, uh, Parasite sweep it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Did they happen before everything, like the lockdown? Mm-hmm. Was Last it? year it was in February, end of February. Oh, They're usually lucky. in February or March, but this year it's being pushed about a month. All so right. There you go. Let's talk a little bit about Raya and the Last Dragon. Uh, do you want me to set that up? Sure. Okay. I started my review today while I was working. So I can actually just read well, the Well, you're doing a review right now. <laughs> yes. So this will be good. It'll, it'll allow me to finish it much easier. Uh, the story takes place in a fictionalized version of Asia, in which five tribes of the land known as Kumandra apply various pressures over a glowing crystal orb that contains the last of dragon magic. When an act of diplomacy goes wrong, the orb is broken into five pieces, unleashing a scourge of destructive magic entities known as the Droon, drying out the land and turning their once vibrant region into a desert apocalypse. Raya is the main character. She is sort of the princess of this over-governing tribe, specifically because they had the orb to begin with, and uh, that makes all the other... When everything goes wrong and these big magic demony things destroy the world and turn all of their loved ones into statues, Raya kind of becomes this desert punk, post-apocalyptic uh, scavenger hero figure who's kind of looking to find the last pieces of this thing, put them back together, and hopefully bring everything back to normal. Along the way, she meets a magic water dragon named Sisu. Voiced by Aquafina, um, and you know it's from there. It's 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 a bit of a a sort of uh, odyssey of them going from all of these different tribes and experiencing you know the the various different uh, uh, challenges that each one um, has set in the way of collecting these things. So there's kind of a a fun adventure film quality to it. It's sort of an action mythology sort of thing. And I think, you know, sort of the way I, I uh, started this review, the way I f- was framing it is like this kind of advances, I think, Disney's new project in revitalizing the Disney princess in different ways. Yeah. So with Frozen, it kind of like removes the romance angle and makes it more about a sister thing. Um, they go a little bit further with Moana, where they start to make it a bit more of an adventure film than just a, you know, reclaim your heritage kind of story. And yeah. then with this film, it is a straight up action movie, and she is an action yes. hero. Straight up uh, action fantasy adventure. Okay, I have a few things to say about this movie. I, I don't know where to start, but uh, essentially my 
I guess my thesis for this movie, Mm -hmm. I think it's gorgeous, of course. The animation is Mm -hmm. top-notch, as always. I do have a note about the animation, though. Is it that the dragons look like fursonas? The dragons do look way too much like My Little Pony. Um, I don't think My Little Pony. They look like furry costumes. Like, like <laughs> that is like, well, I don't know, it's bit, weird. Yeah. I mean, the design of the dragon is like, I I thought of it as just being very toyetic. Like, okay, they want to sell dolls. Like, they made this a specific way so that kids would go on to buy them. Sure. I mean, of course. It's I mean, a, it's, it's Disney. Disney that's like, kind of... I'm not, I'm not in love with the dragon design, but I could deal with it. Just kind of my general thing about this movie is I, on paper, I really like what this movie is going for. Mm-hmm. I really like, I really like that it's, you know, a pretty uh, original story. Uh, feels very fresh. It feels a little overwritten. It kind of, it does that thing that you know, hard fantasy tends to do where it's like, here's an exposition dump. We're moving on to the next exposition dump and moving on to the next exposition dump. And I just kind of wanted them to chill Mm. a little bit because like, I really liked this world and I felt like I wasn't getting a lot of them just living in it. I I felt a lot of, we're going to keep explaining this world. And I'm like, okay, I get it. Let me just be in it. And, And usually Usually Disney's pretty good about that, so I would—I don't know—that kind of frustrated me. Um, but what you were saying about the animation, I actually felt that about uh, some of the voices in this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like I, you know, and I—I I get that they wanted to have an Asian cast, and I think that was, you know, that's of course, like mm-hmm. that makes sense. Kelly uh, Marie Tran does. Yeah, the, Kelly uh, Marie Tran, I think, does is, is doing fine. Um, Aquafina was a little jarring at first, um, but I got used to that. But a lot of like the side characters, I I just it just didn't feel like their voices synced up with the animation to me. I don't know. Was I alone on that? Um, are you talking about like the children characters and stuff? Like the kid and like the lady that they find at the one town, like characters like that i I don't know there was just moments where i was this feels weird like this doesn't feel like a voice performance this just feels like like a voice i don't know it just it didn't feel like a character sometimes to me Mm, maybe uh i mean some of those side characters are stuff people they only meet in towns and they jump off the movie just as quick i didn't really register that much for me because i felt like their function in the plot is i just more mechanical anyway uh, with my my two big issues with the movie is I think there's too many characters, which goes a yeah. little bit with what you're saying with it being overwritten. It's like every town they meet, somebody jumps on it. It's a little bit of sort of a well, Wizard of Oz kind of thing, or it's like and a, I I get the why of that, you right, know, because, because it's like, all about like the these these these, these kingdoms, kingdoms coming together, coming together and, and building yeah. trust and her opening up and like realizing because you know, she was so solitary for so many years again yeah, and she picks up a new like friend in every town right and I, I liked that but i felt like they could have had like one last town maybe one or, last town or something like that it feels a little cluttered to me or, yes yes or, it just or feels maybe like if they just kind of split the characters up into different actions at some points so that yeah. I, I wasn't it didn't feel like it was constantly juggling all of these 
characters throughout the whole film. Um, and it, it, the more they add, the more it kind of dilutes from her and her relationship with, with, uh, I can never remember this dragon's name. Sisu? Yeah, Sisu. Sisu. And, and also the. Which is the core relationship of the movie. Well, and, and also the, her relationship with the, sort of the main her, villain. So, you Right. Namari. Yeah, this all starts yeah. with, you know, like this childhood incident where mm-hmm. she trusts this person and, um, it, it goes wrong. And so, you know, her whole character arc is like learning how to trust again and, and, and bringing these people together. And I, I feel like everything in this movie, there could have been more of, of that one thing. But right. because there's so many things. Right. It's that, a little stuffed. Yeah. Um, I think and, the I fact mean, that it's sort of a journey movie or an odyssey movie and we're, we're changing locations and set pieces all the time. I think that allows for that a little bit. Um, yeah. Oh, totally. I, I just th- feel like. I mean, we've seen kind of movies that do sort of something like this. I thought of Kubo and the Two Strings. Um, I didn't see that one. Oh, it's very good. Uh, it's yeah, a, Leica, you know, they do good work. Yeah, um, but it, it had a similar kind of thing where as she moves along, she kind of picks up a new friend from every new region and they kind of work as a team and blah, blah, blah. Um, I felt like that does it a little bit more successfully, although tonally that movie's very different. But, I just, but like- I, I mean, as far as what to do with the runtime, I think that that movie is a little bit more successful. My, my other big issue, besides the fact that I think it's a little overstuffed with too many characters, is the dialogue. I think they try way too hard to be funny. They try yeah. way too hard to be hip and with it. And like when the characters at the beginning of the movie, and I know this is like in not, no real time frame. It's, it's not modern. It's not in the past. It's based on sort of a mythic past. But when they start saying like modern, like Twitter slang, like I'm a big dragon nerd, like things like that. I was just like, uh, this is weird and anachronistic and I and it's taking yeah. me out of it more than it should and I'm sure like a seven year old who's watching this is not going to care at all and well and, and obviously I mean, like Aladdin th- was you know ton of of anachronistic humor in that movie I also feel like um the humor kind of lacking I I, I agree with like um in in I feel like they didn't give I mean, Aquafina is a comedian. She's very yeah. funny. Um, but I, feel I would like- be very, very surprised if she wasn't allowed a decent amount of improvisation. But, but I also feel like they didn't give her enough. I feel like they didn't give her enough funny. Like, right? I don't know. I mean, I thought she was fine. She, she definitely has the. I think the best comedic moments. Right. Um, I think it because she can deliver. And and maybe maybe if they had tried to not have as much in the other sections, like uh, well, it's not even necessarily like the kids are talking at the beginning of the movie or no, I I know what you're talking. Yeah, it's not even necessarily like they're like punchlines or anything like that. They're they're not building up jokes. It's It's just just that they're trying a little glib. Yeah, they're trying too hard to sound fresh and modern and relatable, right? And it's like I would actually be fine if. If we kind of take more like the Aladdin approach, where the characters are I mean, living in this mythic past or whatever, the the genie right, fucking makes the, all these pop culture. I mean, he has a Julian Fry maker. He fucking right, Jack Nicholson, right? Because because he sort of lives out of time. He's a magic thing. It's as is 
uh sushi or what is her sure name? yeah yeah so like if if she's allowed <laughs> if she's, to sort of yeah break she, that could be wall. The, she functions basically as the genie in this movie yeah um let her do all that stuff and have everyone else kind of react but play it straight play it play straight it. against that yeah um and it'll be i yeah. no, i i agree with you uh as far as that goes yeah, yeah i think I she think... could she could straight up make like pop culture references and stuff, and it wouldn't bother me at all because we've seen that kind of work elsewhere. Um, yeah. But when everybody seems like they're talking in very 2021 language, with the exception of, like, the elders and stuff, yeah, um, it just kind of throws me off. No, I, I agree. I mean, it didn't, it didn't, like, break anything for me, but I, I just felt like a general, like, in general with this movie, I... I I liked it, but yeah, I yeah, felt yeah. like there was something just still a little rough around the edges about it. Like it, it, I don't know. Like it didn't feel like a final cut or something to me. Like it feels like it's just not everything gelled the the way I wanted it to. And like mm-hmm. I think also like the the monsters are kind of generic and like oh the big glowy things or whatever. Yeah, and I I. I, well, again, I but I think, think that, that the idea well, I, of them is pretty scary. I, well, I again, I yes, yes, but I I think it, it goes back to the idea that this movie's overstuffed because mm-hmm. it's like the real threat is more this other tribe, and then these glowy creatures just sort of show up every once in a while, and uh, it very much reminded me of um of like the nothing from Never Ending Story, right? Like mm-hmm. that's the idea is it it. it you know, and, but it's instead of taking joy, it literally like turns them into stone. I just felt like these monsters were sort of like nondescript, and and they only showed up, uh, you know, like when it was convenient in the plot. And right. I don't know, they almost function kind of like it's a little video gamey, where yeah, there you know you're you're at the level where you have to you know steal the crystal or whatever, and you think you have it, but oh no, now you got to fight these things off too. Exactly, um, and, and that kind of took the threat away from me, which I think is a bummer because I really liked, I really liked the vibe of this movie. I liked the the like the dour, like uh, you know, the world has ended kind. Of, like I like that it's a Disney post apocalyptic movie. I wish there'd been they'd done that more. I yes, exactly. And maybe a, we're just saying that because we're like big Mad Max nerds or whatever. Like, well, but I I feel like that. That's kind of what they were teasing us with. with certainly at the beginning. At yeah, the beginning and, of the movie and then when it, she's on her giant weird pill bug. Uh, yeah, uh, exactly. Like I, and I Sonic think, the Hedgehog looking thing. I don't know what it was. Throughout the whole movie, it's like, what? Because I didn't know that this was supposed to. I didn't know this was supposed to take place in like a mythic past. I thought this was like supposed to be like Edo Japan or something. Uh, like more like Mulan, like right, supposed to have yeah. like some historical. Like, and, but then that was there. And I was for the first 20 minutes, I was like, what are you? Like, I what? <laughs> like literally, <laughs> I don't know like a, what you are. Like a pill bug with like. It's like a giant fantasy armadillo thing. Kind of thing. Yeah. But anyway, once I realized that it's a fantasy film, then I went with it. But and she rides this thing like a big motorcycle, and it's really cool. It's really cool. Like I don't feel like a lot of the the conceptual ideas ever really got center stage. Like mm-hmm. it, uh, the, sort of this whole movie feels like set dressing to a movie that's kind of not there. I don't know. It it just feels a little. I wouldn't say it's that. 
problematic. I think it basically works. I, I no, I I do too. It's just I wanted I wanted it like that final puzzle piece to click in. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I think and, it, it, it. What is it like? It's a little under two hours. Yeah, I mean it. It's you know pretty long for a Disney. Yeah, animated. so I mean, it could have maybe used an extra ten. An extra ten, yeah, which I mean, we never say this, but I know, especially for a especially movie that, for an animated, like right. I, but here's the thing, you know, we are, we are, you know, mid thirty year old mm-hmm. men fuddy duddies. I do think this movie is going to achieve its goal, oh for sure, and be really exciting for for uh, kids, uh, specifically, you know, young girls. Oh. I think there's a, you know, it, it they do get that kind of like. Mad Max, but targeted directly towards them, which I think yeah, is kind of cool. Until it becomes more um, of a river journey. Mad Max doesn't have to be desert. Uh, I mean, look at the fucking movie Waterworld, right? Right, right exactly. Um, but but you know what I mean. Like I think I think for the 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 demo mm-hmm. uh, that they're you know this movie is going to be very pleasing. Oh, this like, is this is kind of for quadrant. I you know I think that. Parents who are watching it with their kids are going to enjoy it more than Frozen. Yeah, yeah, and because it's not totally. a musical, there's not you know they don't break in the song every five seconds. I kind of wanted it to be a musical. I'm glad it wasn't. Um, I mean, I get I'm I get not against musicals not. in general. No, I, I this one definitely didn't need it. Uh, it didn't need it, but I, and they've I been still doing like that it. with I like Moana that. and stuff like that. No, we're good. Uh, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm, the music in Moana is great. Moana's <laughs> fucking great. Moana is a better movie. Moana is probably my favorite of all these like modern Disney ones. Like I, mm-hmm. I loved it. I loved it. I really like the Wreck It Ralph movies. Uh, yeah. yeah, but I mean that's that's a. I mean it's that's a kind of thing. a different it's kind of a different thing. Thing. But I mean of all like the postmodern princess movies like Brave, uh, Frozen, Moana. Fuck you. He's giving me a big old <laughs> thumbs up stink face when I said Brave. Um, <laughs> Okay, I'll say this. It's not as good as Moana. It's okay. better than Brave. To me, this is kind of similar. Like, I I feel I feel pretty... Like, I, I liked Brave, though. Uh, stop making faces. <laughs> this is a podcast. People can't see you. I don't know. I here Overall, I liked it. Um, I just... There are some wrinkles I wish yeah. would have been ironed out. I think it has a lot of fun set pieces. That's my favorite thing about the movie is the set pieces. I think it's really, really well designed. I like the oh, world yes. building. I like and the again, animation. The is animation, beautiful. the uh, character design with, is with the is exception great. of the dragons, which are a little too My Little Pony for my taste. But I get it. Like she's the main character, you have to make her funny and cute. And I think Aquafina does gives a great voice performance here. Kelly Tran's doing fine. Yeah, she's. She's not like she's holding it down. Exactly. She's not she, the most she exciting do, character to me, but uh, she's, she's doing exactly it. what you need for that character uh, for this character to do. Like she's doing her job. My my two biggest complaints of the movie is I wish there had just been one or two less characters. I could have done without the baby. The baby with the with the I liked the baby. It, it, Baby's funny I, to me. That's not a character. That's a visual gag that runs throughout the whole yeah. movie. Yeah. But but no, here's the thing. But the baby, you don't have to devote any time to. It's and I could have maybe done. And this is definitely just being an old grumpy man. I maybe could have done without like the kid chef, like or maybe just had a lot See, less of him. 
he was one of those ones that like it felt like his voice didn't sync with the character. I don't know. I think, I, and better dialogue would help him too. Yeah. Um, because he was especially joke heavy. Um, yeah, 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 and, 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 and rarely funny. But, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I liked the baby and the monkeys though. Fuck you. I like. Give, give me more. Give me the pics. You know the 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 short that's gonna open before a Pixar movie with the baby and the monkeys breaking in and like stealing some a magic silent scroll. short with like you know no dialogue yeah. in that context. Do it all day long. I loved it. It In was a thief movie? baby and her sneaky monkeys. Okay. Well. <laughs> it was fun. Like, they, you, fuck you. Fuck I, you, you fucking I just didn't think fuck. they added that much and they took up a lot of screen time. I actually, the the big, like, um, Hun looking warrior towards the end would probably have been the most interesting counterbalance to everything else in the movie. And yeah. he gets way shortchanged. Yeah, I agree. I, he should have been, I, like. The first or second character she met. Yeah, I, yeah, I feel like I, I feel like yeah, a little, little less of the boat boy, a little more hun. Yeah, um, would have been, you know, would have been nice, right? But, um, and I don't know if these are just like two penis having opinions I mean, happening maybe. with that, but uh, that's what I felt throughout the movie. But again, action, the action set pieces are great. The design of the movie is great. Action's fun. I like um, the, the character dynamics when they're allowed to happen. They're just, uh, don't happen enough. Yeah. And, and I like the overall, the, I like the overall the theme. Of, is really great. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, it's uh, very right now, you know, it's the, the whole idea of like the world is it's, in turmoil. Nobody It's very right now, other. but it's also very timeless. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's very like, you we know, gotta, don't give in to cynicism. Mm-hmm. We got to pull uh, ourselves uh, together. Yeah. Community. I, and I, I think that's, that's good, especially for, for kids to hear right now. Like, yeah. It's hopeful. They're, go, they're going through this shit that is going to affect them in ways we don't understand. And <sighs> yeah, to get, you know, I, I think they need heroes like this and movies like this. So yeah, it's a very, it's a good, I think it, the stuff that really matters works well enough to yes. carry it i think the, I agree. the the spine of the story is great i think the set pieces are fun the animation's great um it's just a little muddy and and i feel like this also gets graded on the disney pixar curve like sure. they when they continually knock it out of the park uh the movies that have seams that are showing show a little more i think this is not a pixar film though no, but in my head they are. I see. I I notice. I I, I notice the difference between the Disney World and the Pixar World and their styles of writing and their approaches to things. Like Disney, the Disney side of things is always a bit more, a bit more cartoony, a bit more like broad, uh, broad, but also like they lean on like legend and myth more and fairy tale and that kind of stuff. And and the Pixar thing is more like conceptual, like you know, what if microphones had personalities or whatever. Okay, so Wreck It Ralph, the movie that's what if these video game characters have lives outside of their video games, isn't isn't uh, that's more Disney? I think they have a different vibe. Yeah, one has a lamp, one has a fucking mouse, but they <laughs> both share the same theme park space. 
They are the same. There's a uh, shared DNA as far as the way they tell stories, but I think the type of stories are different. Anyway. I also I also think, I mean, Disney, you know, for animated features has been the fucking flagship paragon mm-hmm. for the better part of 50 years. So, again, my statement stands. I have a thing that I remembered I wanted to say. There's a sequence... Uh, towards the uh, middle of the movie or so with the cook, the kid cook. Um, He's like retelling a story and it suddenly like goes into um, a different style of animation, like this panel frame comic book. It it actually reminded me a lot of the the Spider-Man Spider-Verse kind of style. Yeah. Kind of like half cell, half. Mm. Half three dimensional. Yeah, when they're like, when they're planning their little plot thing. Right, right. And... I actually liked that a whole lot, and I could have seen the whole movie in that. Now, I think oh, I they mean, pulled off what they pulled off really, really well, but I think that would have added a, a different dynamic. I, I mean, yes, I, I, I agree. I liked that a whole lot, and and I already said I think Spider Verse. You know, animation takes so long that I don't think we're going to really feel the influence of Spider Verse until you know. Probably still a couple more years, but I think, I you know, I, I think we are going to get more and more just what can we do, what can we really do with animation mm-hmm. um, as as storytelling device versus just yeah having characters move. And I kind of felt, it wasn't until I saw the, that sequence, I kind of felt there was a little bit of an anime influence on this story. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I think... I might be talking about my ass here, which I normally am, but um, I feel like this is probably influenced by stuff like uh, Avatar The Last Airbender and Mm -hmm. and, um, that kind of world, right? Like, again, I'm not really familiar with those, but... It's like realms and shit, yeah. It felt very, (laughs) like, yeah, there's Water Dragon with, like, various powers over uh, elements of, of nature and stuff. I don't know. I just... Yeah, it's Tolkien esque as well, but but Tolkien. yeah, I felt like but I felt like the um, certain dynamics and like certain like character designs and stuff. I was like, oh, I, like the, her on that pill bug riding in the desert. I was like, I could see this in an anime. Oh yeah, yeah, um, I I agree. But yeah, it, it's cool. I like it. Um, I di- I recommend it. I would say maybe wait till it's free. Yeah, yeah, I think that's. I would probably agree with that. I give it a B. I give it a B minus. Um, yeah. I think I like it a little bit more than you. There was just so much like high concept fantasy dump that I that I don't like. And that, again, Disney's usually a little more sophisticated than that. Um, I don't know. I just there was a lot of explainy. And I got to the point where I was like, I get it. They need to get the things. Uh-huh. And I just I just want to see like the characters be a little bit more. Okay. Like, I really liked the moments when, like, there's a moment on the boat where they uh, talk, like, somebody mentions, like, the, you know, like, well, why are you helping us or whatever? And they, like, give the symbol for, like, oh, well, my family's stoned now. And, like, stuff like that. I was like, okay, here's more character-driven-y stuff unless we got to get the thing. And that's all I wanted was a little bit more of that. Because there's a lot of we got to get the next thing. Yeah, it's very MacGuffin heavy movie. Yeah. 
Okay, um, let's go ahead and move on to shopping, which is the streaming homework, which is available on both Amazon Prime and Tubi. Uh, describe the 1994 British film Shopping. British film Shopping is about uh, a baby named Jude Law, uh, <laughs> who looks like a baby. A, a um, man-sized baby. Um, yeah, he's a uh, you've, you've heard that Thomas Whitmer big baby right, song, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> looks like a big baby. Um, he's very so, young. He's very young in this movie. He's not an actual baby. No. <laughs> but he has no. his – this is before the receding hairline. Uh, which I think makes him look so – he looks so much better now. He has glowed up. Anyway. Uh, he's like a perfect specimen of a human being. So he was only yeah, getting – he's also gotten – he's also become a much better actor. Um um, yeah, anyway, so this is, uh, Jude Law is uh, sort of this hooligan, thief, ne'er-do-well. It starts with him getting set out of prison, and he immediately, like, is unremorseful and like, I'm going to go back to stealing cars and, and smashing stuff and stealing from um, department stores. Him and his uh, sidekick, platonic girlfriend... Who would like to be more than that? Team up and kind of go on a general disturbance of the peace spree. Yeah. As they're doing this, you know, they get some attention from the law. Jonathan Price plays this copper who's just sort of, you know, following him, keeping an eye on him, uh, keeping trying to keep him on a short leash. And he also runs across Sean Pertwee uh, playing Tommy as sort of this other hooligan gangster Rival guy gang guy yeah yeah and it's it's kind of i mean kind of that's it it's just them like hanging out in london being uh hooligans be you know stealing shit and sticking it to the man and you know this feels very 1994 very 1994 and very like i saw a guy richie movie and really liked it and i'm going to make that I think um, this predates um, Lockstock. Yeah. I would have to. Was yeah. That, that, Lockstock's was that 98 for a week. All right. When was Train Spotting? Uh, Train Spotting would have been, I think, 95, actually. But yes. Oh, all right. That all right. Movie, so this predates both of those. And. Well, that, I think, I think that might have. Um, influenced the way I watched this movie a little bit more than had I had I realized that so uh yeah this definitely shares DNA with other sort of British uh outsider hangout and do crime movies right um uh I think I think there's also like a little bit of influence probably from um the Warriors and and a little little touch of uh Clockwork Orange yes um but a little bit of of uh, Blade Runner in the soundtrack, yeah. especially, oh, and yeah. certain like night scenes. And I felt a little bit of Luke Basson influence, actually. Yeah, I can I, see I, that. I think like the early Basson films, um, La Femme Nikita and Pryor, his, his, his French language stuff comes this out. Movie's this movie's very British. It's very British. It's very, very uh, Europe. Yeah. Very Europe. Uh, very Euro punk yeah um but i think everything we've listed is kind of better 
yeah. I, I thought this movie was pretty boring, actually. I was... I I don't know. I wasn't that into it. I, I think, uh, again, maybe I would have enjoyed it more had I realized it kind of predated some of the stuff and seen it as like, uh, you know, more of an influencer versus influenced. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Also kind of like when we watched, um, uh, what, what was it? Um, the crazy, like campy alien, uh, Chud. A- no, no. Uh, I'm just going very, very art housey. Like cannot think of what liquid sky. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, like I, I kind of I mean, got that was this... way more out there than this movie, but yeah, but but I also and way felt... cheaper. Yes, but I I felt similarly in like I watched it. I I was like, okay, I kind of get get it. I get what this movie's about, and then I just kind of got bored by it. I don't yeah, know. my issue with this movie, and I should we should say um, the reason that I assign this is because this is the film debut by Paul W S Anderson. Um, who would later go on to make Mortal Kombat and Soldier and the Resident Evil movies and Event Horizon? Um, a lot of st- a lot of schlock. He's a schlocky guy. Yeah. Um, and once he got, I think, especially once he had a big success with Mortal Kombat, which would be his next film after this, his once he made a ton of money from that, he was like, "Fuck real movies." I'm just going to keep doing this for the rest of my life. Give me those IPs, baby. Yeah. Um, you know, he did Death Ra- he did Death Race remake and yeah, uh, a really bad uh remake of Three Musketeers. So, he's one of my least favorite directors of all time, largely because I just think he's he's kind of phoning it in but trying to look cool while doing it. Mm-hmm. Like his movies are usually terrible, but yeah. They're they're kind of cynically kind of selling to well, to a lowest common denominator action fan, and and I do I and I think I know where you're going with this, and I mm. do agree. This is like a real movie. This is a real movie. That is what I'll say about. It. I don't think it's a great movie, but no. I think it there's a purity to it, a real kind of like there's a genuineness. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of an action thing, and it, there's definitely a lot of style in the movie, especially with the camera movements and that kind of stuff, and the way he uses soundtrack, ton of like mid nineties like Euro it, dance music. It feels like he is trying to make a Clockwork Orange for the MTV for the MTV mm. generation, well, uh, and a lot of people were at that time. But to me, this feels a little festivaly in a way like there there's a there's an attempt to kind of to put his hat in the same ring as something like a reservoir dogs or something like yeah. uh uh el mariachi or like you know this is my debut this is what i do yeah and but I it res- is i respect not, yeah. it's not as good as those movies no. but um not nearly but i respect the purity of it and sort of the, the it feels like a personal film yeah uh, and, it, and it feels like there's a lot of character in the movie itself. Um, the problem for me with the movie is I like everything about it except for there's no story. It's Yeah. It's, it's, well, yeah. It, all of the story comes literally in the last half hour. Which is the best part of the movie. Yeah. If no, had, I, I if, agree with if you. If somebody like, had if, looked at that script and said, see what you're doing here in the last half hour? Make that happen in the first start happening in the first half hour. 
and you can do all the hangout stuff and you can show like this, you know, beat down version of London or wherever they are. Totally. And you can, you can have these like character sequences and stuff and all of that's interesting, but, and they do kind of build up to that, but it's, there's, it's so loose on story for so long that by like 45 minutes in the movie, I'm watching it going, I don't really know what's happening. Like what, where there's, there's like no narrative thrust. And that's why I got bored with it. And it's like it, you know, we can, I can only see Jude Law steal a car, talk about how the cops suck, smash stuff in stores for so long before I'm like, okay, right. Why? Like, what are we doing here? Let's talk about Clockwork Orange because that movie structurally is very similar. I, I thought of that movie immediately. Well, yeah. When I, mean, when I saw that, when I saw that, I mean, just like him I, being released also, from jail and all of that. Keep is. in mind, it has been a long time since I've seen Clockwork Orange, but that was also like between that and um and Guy Ritchie, mm-hmm. I was like, I mean that that's this movie, right? Um, well, you could talk about Clockwork Orange. You could also talk about Train Spotting, which I think this movie, like that movie, to me is like this movie done right. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And another movie that came to mind, uh, which would come later, was not, you know, way after this movie, um, is SLC Punk, which we talked about recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, well, why, you know, like, those movies don't really have, like, a traditional three-act thing. But they do kind of. But it's basically just them doing weird shit for two hours. Here's the big well, difference. Yes. Those movies, I I have been a while since I've seen Transponding, but I think it does. Um all of those movies have narration. So you're oh, okay. in the character's head the whole movie. So the the script actually has the leverage to be more loose and be more kind of random and episodic because you're always hanging on with the character throughout the journey, which I'm actually mm-hmm. giving a a strong uh, defense of the use of narration because there is a you know a lot of people who think it has no business in film, but I think in those movies in particular uh, that really keeps everything in shape. You know what else? What? All of those movies have way more interesting characters. Like yeah. I mean, Jude Law's character is puddle deep, uh, and the most interesting interesting character is Joe. But her whole character arc hinges on, I want Jude Law to fall in love with me. And it's like, why? (laughs) He sucks. He's, I mean, sure, he's kind of a pretty boy, but like, all he, like, (laughs) like, they kind of hint at this stuff uh, about him. Not hint. I mean, they, you know, they talk about how he's like an adrenaline junkie and stuff. And, you know, there's, there's some moments with that that are kind of interesting. But like, None of the supporting characters are interesting. So you have these characters hanging out that I just don't really care about. They're kind of like, it's just kind of like, okay. Once you get down past those two, it gets even worse as far yeah. as that goes. The, um, yeah, what was it? Monkey and Bebop or whatever. Um, and there's this whole like, uh, uh, which by the like, way, I cannot, backstory. I cannot deal with that kid's haircut. Oh yeah, that was atrocious. It was, well, but the, whatever. The undercut the, ponytail with the bangs. I yeah, it was this is real bad. Uh, very cyberpunky, but real bad. Um, very something. Uh, uh, 
But there's also like this whole like undercurrent where there's this like hoodlum friend they have who died in a car wreck. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just give zero like I'm not that I just don't care because it's all happened. It all happened off screen previously. We didn't even know yeah. this character. And so there's nothing to sort of attach me except uh, Jude Law's puppy dog eyes. Like, I just... A flashback would have been nice. A flashback or even, like, have the character die in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, like you could accomplish everything you're trying to say with this character dying by just, like, showing us... I also think Sean Pertwee and his, his gang... Um, Ralph Innocent. There's a lot of fucking people in this movie who Sean uh, Bean, Sean Bean, baby, shows baby up Sean Bean, randomly up, up and doesn't die. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> Very small um, cameo. Yeah, I think their gang are are just really not compelling villains in the movie, unfortunately. And that would be the thing. If there's a thing to create narrative thrust, it would be them versus this other gang. But Yeah, let, like, let's really... lean into that ro- Warriors influence a little bit more. Right, or, or create some more, like, scenarios of, like, oh, we gotta do this thing before they do that thing. Oh, Jason Isaacs has a blink and you'll miss yeah, it moment, yeah, and he, he looks exactly the same. Holy shit. There's a lot of good genes in this movie. Yeah. Well, um, it's, it's that daily tea routine. <laughs> yeah. They don't uh, drink coffee, they drink tea. They have tea time, yeah. And and I think if that you know, good actors in the in those parts, maybe they were yeah, just and they're, they're as fine seasoned in at the time, but I think if they'd given them a little bit more to do in, you know, uh in contrast to this other gang, that's that's yeah. my biggest problem with the movie is just like nobody does anything. Nobody yeah, does anything have- of consequence. Nothing happens for an hour and a half, and then the last 20 minutes is like, oh, okay, you know, now it's... Now it's a movie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah However, I, I think if we had had a narration like A Clockwork Orange or like um, SLC Punk with the Jude Law character, and he was kind of, you know, giving us something, something you know, a perspective to view all of this in... You know, then we would act, then it could be as this loose and get away with it. Yeah, um, I agree. Also, I just think if the characters had been a little more interesting, like he's just right. young. Well, and that's one of the reasons to- why it's not. I mean, there's some, I think there's things about the character that are hinted at, and I don't know if it's more from the actor or from the script. But, like, you know, there's all the stuff about his father sort of rejecting him and kicking him out. And, like, there's something I there. straight up thought that uh, uh, Jonathan Price's cop was going to end up being his father. Because, like, they mentioned <laughs> the father. as like Well, that's a parallel him. they're definitely drawing on purpose. Yeah. Well, yeah, but but it's... It's not done well, is my point. Because no. I literally thought he was his actual father until... You meet his real dad. At one point. Yeah, I mean, but but that comes, you know, kind of late in the movie. I And I, I, I mean, I get it. I got it. I was just like, ooh, this could have been done better. Or if they were going to make that parallel of like, you know, Jonathan Price feeling fatherly towards him, they could have written that in more. Or they could have nourished Exactly. That's him. what I mean. It's like. And that would have made the ending pay off a lot more, too. Yeah, or if Jude Law, you know, maybe sees him as a surrogate father. Like, there's just so many things that could have been more interesting. I, I mean, I maybe I missed something in the dialogue or something, but I kind of read Jude Law's character as gay. And uh, 
I I don't I I think maybe that there's is not enough evidence for that, but I mean I don't think that's that hard to make that leap. And I think um, if there had been more about that, that could have been interesting. Oh, I mean for sure. Uh, yeah, there's a couple things that that like you know obviously he he doesn't want a romantic relationship with Joe, and he he makes a a weird comment. Who, about by the way, is his sex. Re- is his real wife? Oh, yeah. cute. <laughs> um. They met on the uh, but he does make a weird comment about how, like, sex isn't safe anymore. And, you know, this was definitely, like, of that time. Where... Oh, yeah, that was the most 1994 line of dialogue in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I mean, absolutely. But I, what I mean is, like, I think I, I think that that is a valid interpretation, but I don't think there's enough in the movie to... To reinforce that. Yeah, to yeah. to make that be, like... A thing. Any anything more than a, a yeah. and I'm not saying you have to like stop the movie and dead in its tracks and make a big deal out of it, but like if they had just like even just a couple things had hinted to where it could even be ambiguous. I don't even care about that. Um, but if if they would just well, it would have been something. Something it would have exactly. given him something uh, other than just I'm young and I like thrills. Yeah, like other that than is, a guy in a leather jacket. Exactly. Yeah. That is the most. Honestly, it's kind of a jaded view of youth uh, that doesn't have the yeah. the interesting story of like a, a Clockwork Orange where, you know, it becomes purposeful. It, it just is like, it's just like, these are young people. Well, it was the 90s. Um, I, de- I mean, it's I mean, very of the time. And I'm not just saying that because of the techno soundtrack and the pleather coats and all of this- that stuff. Um, was this before or after Hackers? Before. But that this movie did be- come to mind as well. All right. This this movie, ha- I think, also uh, influenced a lot of uh, bad things that happened. Hackers <laughs> <laughs> is kind of fun. I like Hackers for what it is. Uh, I probably like it a little bit more than this movie. It was pretty much the same movie except for with computers. Yeah. Um, but... But no, I think I it's the there was this kind of thing in the nineties of like, you know, kids are disaffected and they have nothing to believe in and they don't believe they have a future. So they're just, you know, nihilistic and they want to fuck things up just to feel again. And I get that like that I a hundred percent got immediately. It was like, oh, it's it's one of those movies. Exactly. But yeah. But that's what I mean. Like, I got all of that. Immediately. But there's nothing else. And there's nothing more than just the most shallow surface read of that. Mm-hmm. And so we're sort of stuck with just that and no story yeah. for an hour and a half. So I got fucking bored. It's a boring, it's boring-ish. I don't think it's, there. I don't know. I, I want to give it maybe more praise than it deserves. A, because like we've been talking about, it was a little ahead of the curve on some of the stylistics. That doesn't and make it, it a good movie. Not, no, not necessarily. But I think sometimes important or, you know, um, I don't know if I even want to call it that. But I think something like that can put points in its favor against. Sure. I, I mean, yes, this is. I, things. I, again, this is. And I think that it is entertaining-ish. I, I, I can believe in a cult of people who this, when they saw this in 1994, in London or whatever. Yeah, I thought it was thought like... It, it was their movie. It was like, this defines me. I'm going to watch this every day after school. I want to be just like Jude Law. You know, sure. whatever. I could see that person. 
Um, yeah, and I mean, it, again, if we're comparing this to the rest of his body of work, like, this is at least an attempt. This is at least yeah. something. Yeah, I mean, when you watch this, it feels like... It, I don't get that same kind of cynicism of, like, you know, this is for dumbass gamers. So they don't actually like good things. They just like things that look cool. So I'm just yeah. going to fill this up with things that look cool, but not even really that cool. And, and you know, if I just make a big, dumb CGI-filled movie full of zombies and monsters and and lasers and ridiculous nonsense, then they'll forget that they're wasting their time for an hour and a half. This actually feels like he wants to tell some type of story. But yeah, it is what it is. Uh, okay. This versus the movie that most people would say is his best, Event Horizon. This. Easily. Event Horizon has a couple cool ideas, but I think it fails harder at those ideas than this movie does. I think I would rather I I would rather rewatch Event Horizon. Uh, I'll say this about this. I didn't think Event Horizon was boring. I just thought it was kind of bad at parts. But I also think Event Horizon is him is him trying. Ish. No, I think I think he is. I think Yeah. I, he learned bad things along yes, the way that ruined that movie. Um and also I've heard that that movie was like really badly edited and there's a better cut, you know. He was like the original Snyder cut. Um I mean, please the the Snyder cut director's cut has been a thing a lot for a lot longer than the nineties. No, I know, but like you know, what I mean is there's been rumors of the of what they cut and it makes the movie make sense. Blah 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 blah. Sure. Um, I get why people like Event Horizon more than what I actually get out of it. Whereas this movie, I don't think is successful all the way. But I think it's interesting, and I like its time and place. And it's it. I just like these kind of movies. Like I'm a big fan of like early '90s, like Sundance Gen Xy shit. Like the you know like you all you have to be is that, and you know, I'm already halfway with you. I guess. I mean, um, sure. And I've seen movies of that ilk that are worse. I mean, sure, yeah. I don't know. I thought it was pretty fucking boring, and. I don't know. I just didn't care for it. I, I, there's interesting stuff about it, but I was, for the most part, just thought it was kind of dull. And it's a little bit. And, and it's, to me, this is that movie that's like, that's like that kid that is like, it's a, it's a kid who's trying so hard to have a personality, but just doesn't have one. Are you talking about well, the character or the whole movie itself? The, the movie itself is that kid, is that kid that wears, I mean, basically, me in high school wears a fedora and a leather jacket to <laughs> you school. You never wore a fedora. I mm, I've worn fedoras, but not like re- not on the reg. <laughs> First of all, we grew up in a very unfortunate time for fashion, so nobody looked good then. Um, so I wouldn't beat yourself up too much. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a my l- point is it's a little tryhard, but yes, but I think it's earnest, and that's what I appreciate about it. Tryhards can be earnest. It doesn't make them less annoying. All right. What are we watching for the streaming homework next week? Well, okay. There was some drama before the pod uh, that I, I, I'm i sad we didn't record it um, <laughs> because it was good. 
Uh, I was gonna. Th- I was throwing the Snyder cut mm-hmm. at you, Justice League, the Snyder cut. Uh, there, ha- there isn't really anything new coming out, so that's gonna be our main review next week. Um, so I had to come up with something on the fly. So I guess we're gonna watch Maniac Cop, right? On Shutter. Yeah. Uh, so. Stay tuned for that, and if anybody has opinions about any of that or anything we talked about in this episode, um, you can email us at mcguffinpod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on our social media, at mcguffinpod on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us on Facebook for however long I decide to have Facebook. Just Uh, don't. Just end it. I mean, I might as well at this point. I'm so close. Just do it. I'm right at the tipping point. You'll feel better if you engage with the podcast only through Facebook. Let us know. Um, otherwise, let's set Cassidy free. Nobody let's does. free Cassidy. The podcast isn't like keeping me on there. I like the market. Well, then get the fuck off of Facebook. I Facebook like the marketplace. Sucks. I like the marketplace. Um, uh, if you do you download OfferUp. And OfferUp is the Facebook marketplace, but without like any of the Facebook stuff. Record collector clubs. I'm part of. Um, you'll get over that. You'll get. You'll be sad for. You'll. You'll think about it for the first couple weeks. <laughs> then you'll get over it, and you'll talk to them on Twitter. I don't think I will. But anyways, if anybody, yeah. So we're on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash MacGuffinPod, and um, you can read my reviews that I do weekly at the Idaho State Journal um, by googling Idaho State Journal movies. It'll take you directly to the movies page. That's the easiest way to find it, uh, and. Um, you can follow me individually on Twitter and Instagram at BC Cassidy, uh, and like our podcast or rather rate and review the podcast over at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Player.fm, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can follow me on Twitter at Keith Foster Kid, on Instagram at Keith Foster Kid. Uh, follow me on Twitter, uh, hashtag XFilesWatch, um, to continue my journey uh, into the unknown. The truth is out there, and mm-hmm. I want to believe. Um, also, I have an art account uh, on Instagram, at Sticky Note Aesthetic. Um, I haven't updated in a while, but I, I will soon. I just haven't had a lot of uh, motivation lately, but uh, yeah. All right, and that is it. That is the podcast. This is the 90s. Sex isn't safe anymore. Bye.